Good afternoon. Welcome to the Just Breathe podcast brought to you by the Denver Child Study Team. I am Chris Narkeesian, and once again, I am joined by Dr. Terzini Holler. Good afternoon, Mr. Narkeesian. Do you love the frequency? I love the frequency, yes. Yeah. Look at that. Two podcasts already this year. I know. I'm going to go for the dumbest world record this year. And what do you think of my idea of the the specialized podcast I sent you? I like it because I think we can all come online and talk about our favorite recipes. And I think recipe is, food is a really great way of sharing self with other. Um, I speak French and the word copain in French means friend, but when you break it down, co means share and pain is bread. So French friends share food. They share bread. They break bread together. And what better way to form community than to share recipes? I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, today we've actually drawn someone into our studio coming off a, uh, I would say, what, a victorious professional development session at our at our beginning of the year uh, workshops. Yep. Um, he, it was entitled SEL... It was entitled, <laughs> what's going on today? I don't know. We're going to, all right, you know what? We'll get rid of that. I'm going to put the noise gate on so we don't have any more feedback issues. Okay. Let's take that. Let's do that again. Our guest is so exciting that he is just, he's got so much electricity. <laughs> I love it. That it is messing with our equipment today, but we're going to get through it. SEL Foundation in a COVID world back on August 31st is when I met our guest. He is a... University of Delaware School of Graduate, uh, School of Education graduate, nationally recognized for an impact on students' academic and social development. He's currently an educator in the Region 3 Therapeutic Intervention Program, and he's a member of the Hillsdale Board of Education. We're going to get to that. He's a specialized coach, a New Jersey teacher leader, advocate for, advocate for student learning. Just Breathe podcast welcomes Justin Saxon. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Today. If you want to extend the microphone, so you, so so yeah, so you're like relaxing your seat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can ex- extend that arm out a little. Very good. How's that? Is that okay? Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. We want you to be comfortable. Yeah, well, I like to keep my posture though. You like to keep your posture? Well, you can bring your microphone up. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. There we go. Okay. So welcome. Thank you. Feels good to be here. I'm gonna boost up your mic a little. How's that sound? That sounds good. Yeah, good. that's better. Okay. We have lots of questions for you. Awesome. We're very grateful that you're here with us. I know that this has been in the works for the last couple of weeks, and we made it happen. Yes. We made it happen. Even with Mercury retrograde, we still made it happen. But I think Mer- Mercury's messing with our vibe right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing, right. doing stuff to the technology. Yeah. We, we got this. But we're getting through it. Okay. So we met back in August, and you were there to help our enlighten our faculty. Yes. What would you talk to them about? Um, you know, social-emotional learning and the basis of it, which is really relationships and establishing good rapport with learners. That was the heart of the workshop. I think one of the pieces that I really appreciate is um, a lot of times teachers feel like, oh, my God, this is so much. We have so much to do, and now we're being asked to promote mental health. And I think sometimes teachers feel that we're asking them to maybe um, assess kids' mental health or, you know, provide interventions for students who maybe have diagnosed disabilities. But I think really 
the optic is not through the lens of psychopathology. The lens is really wellness. And what do we do in our own lives to promote wellness that we could possibly share with children? Am I hitting it a I think, little bit? I think that's a very important component of it in the school system because you really want to model your own social-emotional learning to your students because that gives them another opportunity to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty powerful when you do that, right? Yeah. So when you have a behavioral interaction with a learner and then maybe you took a couple strategies and they weren't the right ones, the next day to come back around and reflect on that and say, hey, you know, I was talking to you and you weren't really listening. I probably should have given you a little more time and things as such. You're modeling that reflection piece of social emotional learning, which is, which is great for kids because then they start to learn how to do that. Now, here are my five tenets. I did some research. All right. Five tenets of SEL, social emotional learning. Developing healthy identities. Okay. Student developing in their healthy identities. Managing emotions, mm -hmm. which is something that we're going to get into right now. And this is like a, a graphic that I brought up last time we met. And I, I have to remind myself of this every time I see something that's just... Different than what it was before different, COVID. Different, very yeah. different, uh -huh. very different. So take a look at this. We actually looked at it last time. Yep. I love this. Um, I saw it on a bus the other day. So, so the, I, I want to kind of interject here. So when we talk about social-emotional learning, we're also talking about children developing coping mechanisms, right? And the literature shows that the coping mechanisms that people, humans, develop when they're children are usually those mechanisms that they bring into adult life with them. And adults don't realize that those mechanisms become antiquated because they learned them when they were little. So part of what you were saying, this recognition of self, is really an important tool for children to learn because if they apply recognition of self throughout their developmental trajectory, they'll be able to do that self-reflection and they'll be able to mature in their coping mechanisms. So I just kind of wanted to add that piece to it. It's it's so important to think about. Yeah. You don't want to become stuck in those mechanisms that you learned as a child in school, in your family, right? So it's really important to have that self-reflection so you learn what your areas of reactivity are, where you're being creative, okay? And I think Mr. Saxon, Justin, I'm going to call him, um, is really getting in with our faculty to start exploring that, right? Yeah. No, there's yeah. no, like, hardcore answer. It's an exploration. But back to the, um, the graphic, the, you want to talk a little bit about it? Because it's fascinating. So the graphic we went over last time was <clears throat> when students had an actual real classroom setting, you know, and I think about our uh, second graders. I, I, the reason why I always bring up the second graders is because the last time second grade was in an actual class setting was a half a, uh, what, kindergarten year, maybe? Yeah. It says never. Here, never? Right? Never. Yeah. They, they never had a, a real traditional. Right. And so we talked about this last time. I'm going to talk about you, Justin. What I observe during recess, which is like um, very Jane Goodall kind of observation of things, the number one thing I see boys out there or the male students out there, they don't, they, they, the physicality in their play is the kind of um, physicality you should have with a brother, like you usually would have with a brother or sister, and not with a stranger. So it gets very, 
I don't want to say aggressive, but it's Intense. yeah, like like the intimate physicality you have with a sibling. You know, you you know, grab them by the headlock or whatever you do, is intense. You know, and it has they have to be constantly reminded. Like, and with the girls, is she doesn't want to play with me or she's not talking to me, and do something about it. So it's really interesting when you look at um, male and female, you know, development. We see girls leaning more towards relational aggression and yeah. tattletaling and that kind of thing. And boys tend to be physical and they tend to want to um, dominate like territory, like you think of that alpha male. So what I hear you saying, Mr. Nikazian, is that those social constructs haven't been developed to be able to identify, well, this is what I do in one environment versus what I do in another environment. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. And it's fascinating because those social constructs haven't had the capability to be developed because of what we're looking at right yeah. here. So then you get into that, and I love saying this, so what does it look like, right? So where I am, seventh graders are back to the playground in recess are really struggling to act appropriately. Horseplay, um, outside, teasing, things as such, and then they bring it into the cafeteria and it's almost like food fights, disrespecting lunch ladies, and all of these things. So when you look at this, it's like, yeah, they're actually kind of acting where they were before the pandemic. Yeah. And now here comes the social-emotional learning component of it, and Michelle, I'm going to call you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I pulled those learners aside last week when they destroyed the cafeteria and really disrespected some adults and we just had this conversation about reflecting and I didn't do anything wrong and I didn't do anything wrong and he did this and I'm not looking for who did what I'm looking for everyone to go home tonight and reflect on what each of you individually did and it was really powerful because the next day four or five of them came back and said hey I did something wrong yesterday and I'm going to go see the principal and they did and they they took their punishment and they came back to me and we, you know, we hashed it out and discussed like, yes, you're in trouble, but that's okay because more importantly, you reflected on it and yeah. took accountability for it. So it was a powerful moment. And there's a funny one about this with eighth graders where we toured them around the high school so they got on a bus and on the way there and on the way back, all the girls were singing loudly to turn into screaming. The bus driver got upset and then the teachers got upset and then the teachers are chattering up front and I was like, Hey guys, when was the last time they were on a bus? Mm. And they were like, oh my goodness, sixth grade. And mm. I was like, yeah, yeah, here it is. They're uh -huh. acting like that. Sixth grade. So we're seeing this play out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so number three is achieve personal and collective goals. Feel and show empathy for others. Maintain supportive relationships. And make responsible and caring decisions. You know. So those are the... Uh, Top six, hopefully, if I get them right. Yeah, you got them. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So, you so did we well. Are, so we're noticing, I mean, we're observing it every single day, and this is just, we just passed, passed the Columbus Day threshold, which is, what, six weeks out? Is, is it March? It's March, right? <laughs> you know? It's the month of disillusionment, I think. Oh, it is the month of disillusionment, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. It's, it's an enchanting month, because it's, it's Halloween, so. Yeah. But, you know, Chris, in one of our previous podcasts, we spoke about the children of this generation not being broken and not thinking that we have to fill in 
this missing gap, right? But I think this chart, you know, that says in kindergarten, kids have never been in school, right? And in third grade, the last time that kids were in a full day program was when they were in kindergarten. And seventh graders, the last time they were in a full day program was in fourth grade. So I don't think that the children are, I don't like to use the word broken at all. They're not broken. Their experience has been very different. And yet when they come back onto campus, we as adults who have been doing this for a collectively probably for 100 years, I dare, dare I say, um, you know, we see differences. So the social emotional component is you meet children where they are and then you bring them to where they need to go to be purposeful yeah. adults in the world. But that doesn't mean that they're broken. It just means that no. they're different. I, I call back to that old Brandon Fraser movie, Blast from the Past, where they went in the bomb shelter they thought something, a, a, a nuclear disaster happened, and they've been in the bomb shelter for like 25 years. But nothing happened. They come, finally come up, and they think they're living 25 years, and you know everything's still the same. So it's like, it's like they're almost frozen, and now they're waking up to, you know, picking up right where they left off. But it, unfortunately, it's not right where they left off. Right. Yeah. yeah. And even. Um, <clears throat> students in the general ed setting who've never really had to experience um, social, emotional learning conversations and dialogues with their teachers, they have no idea what it's supposed to be. You know, um, I heard a, a learner in seventh grade at the beginning of the year, he said, well, I'm a bad kid because I have bad behaviors. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So you associate your bad behaviors with a, you're being a bad human. Do you think that's really true? And he really had to sit in that for a couple of days, and we had that follow-up dialogue. He's like, well, I guess not, huh? If I can change them? I was like, yes, exactly. And even if you do them, you can't define yourself as your behaviors. You're you. Yeah. Now, the one thing I think um, your workshop um, helped teachers real. I mean, it's not like you're lumping new stuff on A lot of the stuff they're currently already doing, you know? That's really important. I'm glad you brought that up because I think they're already doing it. They just don't know yeah. that they're doing it. And that's um, consciously unskilled mm -hmm. or, or yeah. you know, unconsciously skilled. Right. right? They, they, they don't even know that they're engaging in social emotional learning components. Like first, first thing right away is um, making more student-centered uh, decisions in your classroom and what the first two days of school, I know that every teacher in this school, you know, looks to the class to make their set of class rules. So the kids are helping them. It's like crowdsourced mm -hmm. class rules. So the kids are taking a little bit of ownership right there by helping with, here's our proper, uh, you know, class rules, what we want to do in class. And we're going to put it on a chart, make a chart, and put it up on the wall together. So right away, that's being done. Yep. Yep. So. Um, you had brought into the workshop this um, diagram, multicolored diagram. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Which one was it? Uh, I don't remember the name of it. Um, maybe I can pull it up. Oh, Could you know social emotional learning wheel. That's it. The castle, it. yeah. The wheel. So, castle wheel, yeah. Right. So the yeah. castle wheel I use, and I really enjoy them. Um, they're an important resource for social emotional learning. So it's like responsible decision making, social awareness, social relationships. Um, I don't know what else is in there? 
some independent work components. I think I might have all that stuff on here. Yeah. Teacher language, it plays an important role, encouraging teacher language, uh, more growth mindset type of yes, discussions. Yes, certainly. You know. But, um, and that's a challenge. And, you know, I think I brought that up that day in some of the workshops because I needed to impart some knowledge on some people that it's just not bulletin board fodder. You can't just be like, oh, hey. Yeah. You have a fixed mindset, so let's just think that you can do this. Yeah, it that takes just happen. time. It takes modeling, like I brought up before, of the teacher. So, good story from last year. I, with COVID, my kids who include couldn't go into the inclusion class. So, we were all trying to teach like eighth grade science, and the physics came up. And I was the one trying to teach math, and I, I was getting frustrated. So, it's like almost modeling, like, okay, I'm having trouble right now. I need to take a few breaths to try to redo this again. And that was really powerful for them to see that because it was important. And just modeling that level of like social emotional within yourself is a great way to help kids learn how to do that. Yeah. Do we want to speak a little bit about a growth mindset and what a growth mindset looks like? Definitely. Sure. So go ahead, take it away. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, a growth mindset to me is just the ability to be resilient and then like really own your mistakes, reflect on them, and then from those experiences develop that I can yeah, yeah. mentality. So over the past four years, I've been really trying to advocate for a lot of new work in the region, professional learning and special education. I've made a lot of headway, but I've made a lot of failures. And if you adhere to those, you know, adhere to the things that failed, then you're stuck, but you just work through them. And, you know, that mantra for me is just fell forward, learn from those mistakes, continue to go. Yeah. And that's how you develop that growth mindset over a fixed mindset yep. is staying with that reflection piece and just accepting the loss good things come out of the loss fail forward and just improve and after time then it's just like oh yes i can do this now i was initially introduced to it from my wife her district like every year um in their early you know workshops they'll get some kind of book and they'll focus the entire year's uh professional development on the book and that book six or seven years ago was the Caroline Dweck book mm -hmm. about mindsets. So she introduced the book to me. I read the book. And then the first time I've ever, and I, you know, kind of finished it in March that year. And I started using it in lacrosse practice where my praise was hyper-specific. It wasn't, hey, great job. It was, I like how you made that, uh, the move on the goal. And I like how you shot, um, you know, in the bottom, you know, on the ground, in the bottom of the kit. So it was very specific praise, and I told, you know, I was saying that, I wasn't saying, hey, good job. I was being very hyper-specific with, with my growth mindset, with, with my, 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 my verbiage, and I was really uh, almost leaving as an open-ended praise because I wanted them to repeat that again. And then the other part of the book that I really enjoyed was, um, is the neuroplasticity of our brain. Yes. Um, you know, and, and the best analogy I use is if you're playing a video game and you, you keep failing at one way of going, of, of doing it, and then all of a sudden someone teaches you a new way, you're kind of going to always do that new way. And you're not going to go back to the old way because your new way now has success. That's the same thing that happens with your brain. It's going to be rewired to, to go, f go in the best direction. It's not going to continue following the same path. So those connections are going to go for the more positive outcome, and it's going to keep 
developing more and more, wanting to have more and more of those positive results. And so if we combine that with the negativity bias, right? So every time you hear a negative statement about yourself or about your performance, you need to have five positive statements to kind of counteract or make that silent. So you really want to do what the Nurtured Heart Approach speaks about, and that is energize the, the the positive behavior that you want to see in people. So that that's like a really positive mindset kind of paradigm, right? Yeah. 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 So, so practicing things like gratitude, right? To really look at, hey, what, what am I grateful for today? Like today I'm grateful to be here. This is like the positive part yes. of my day. Yeah, right? we're looking forward to it all week. Yeah, yeah me like too. Yeah. Like so it's so. like it's a little bit of a carrot for us. All right, so peer tutors providing a responsible choice in the classroom, that's always great, you know. We always talked about it, like kids are learning more from each other than they'll ever learn from a Absolutely. teacher. Always. You know? Yeah. Um, providing a, a place that's warm and supportive. You know, you walked in here, we want that graphic on the board yeah. to make you feel warm. It felt great. Warm and supportive. You know, we've, in the past, we've had tea, we've had different things in here to make our, our guests feel warm and supportive. So can we talk about creating that really wonderful container? Sure. Yeah, so I think it's so important for whether you're, you know, having a meeting or whether or not you're stepping into a classroom. Mr. Fox always talks about how those that first day is so important when we're welcoming the kids because it sets the tone for the year. So I really think that setting up a container where people, not just students, but people feel safe to make mistakes because really the incidental learning comes through those mistakes is just so, so important. Yeah. And then, you know, Chris, I'm a big play person. So playing, being, you know, play as a developmental construct that's important for children. So really setting aside time during the day where kids are playing. And then as kids get older and for adults, infusing playfulness into the workspace so that you feel creative, so you can tap your creativity. Yeah. It's just so important for kids who struggle with their emotions to kind of, at times, lighten the load and just play and let some things go and not put so much pressure on them. They put a lot of pressure on themselves and school is hard for them and let's just lighten the load today and have a few periods off and just play. Yep. Because it can go a long way. Everybody's so afraid that, oh, we're going to be losing academic learning time. But the the neurological kind of studies show that if you take a break every 25 minutes, so you engage for 25 minutes and you have a five-minute break, that it actually helps with that neuroplasticity and production and productivity and creativity actually increase. So in the school that I built in my fantasies and imagination, (laughs) we're having a half hour off in the morning to play, a half hour off in the afternoon to play, and every 25 minutes we're getting up and moving around. And play gets up. Play can look so different, and and learners are so appreciative of appreciative of it. Um, in the seventh grade social studies class a couple weeks ago, I kind of I co-teach, um, and you know the gen ed teacher by nature of his job is so focused on academics curriculum. And I kind of was like, hey, give me fifteen minutes with the kids today at the end of the class, and it's just like, ask me anything you want about history, and they started raising their hands and asking questions and. We're, joking and laughing and they gave it a standing ovation at the end of the class because they loved it they were appreciative of the fact that it was open and loose and they were more communicative and not stuck um in the curriculum in the curriculum (laughs) for the whole class and working quietly there's this like paradox about self-directed learning um because the kids are in the classroom so quietly and i'm like 
communication is kind of the base of social emotional learning. And here they are sitting quietly, so it's interesting. That actually leads to another one, balancing more instruction. Direct instruction and active instruction, where mm -hmm. students are actively learn, getting, getting information or get, you know, teaching themselves in an active engagement or getting direct instruction from a teacher. If it was more 50-50 or in my my perfect world, it would be 30% directive, 70% active. I think that's what kind of put everyone in a panic when um, the, pan the lockdown happened. Because uh -huh. it was way too much direct instruction and not enough, um, you know, active instruction. And it's not that children weren't w willing to do it, they just didn't know how to do it. Because up to that point, it was more direct instruction. Right. Then you have to teach them how to do that. And, you know, teaching is such an art form, is that you have to be able to kind of look at what's happening in the room in the moment and make that change right there and go from direct to active or vice versa and things as such. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot of, let's see, what else, what else? Of course, competence building, encouraging pro-social behavior. You're almost acting like a coach, more of a coach where you're giving feedback and you're helping students problem solve. And unfortunately, that's one of those things that we see, we see I'm seeing now is there's no real problem solving, there's no... Um, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to really ask for help. I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. That's one of the things I like about um, now that I'm ex extending down to pre-K three. There isn't. Uh, I need help right away. I'm not. You know, we're given some opportunity for them to explore and try to solve those problems at an earlier age, and not when they come up to third grade or whatever. So I, the pre-K, I did meet with the pre-K students. Um, I'm sorry, faculty yesterday, and they were so excited about the level of engagement of the students when you came in to do those STEM projects. And then we started talking about Global Play Day and the community playground that Sarah Lawrence helped us put together for um, the County Road School several years ago. And we were talking about how you were giving them kind of nondescript material to play with or to problem solve with and how the kids were just so taken by, what did they have? They had like a piece, a strip have, of cardboard or something? Yeah, I cut a bunch of strips of cardboard and mm -hmm. I drilled holes in them mm -hmm. and then I, I got these plastic nuts and bolts. So I'm, I'm trying to combine a little OT with, with what they're doing and then we made, the three-year-olds made this giant, you know, made the, first I want, I, I showed them how to, there's a giant digger. There's a, it's a construction site yes. over there. Yes. So there's a giant excavator out there. They know it is a digger. And we were, I, I put on about five minutes of just excavator digging on YouTube. And then we tried to recreate the excavator's arm with two pieces of cardboard and a plastic nut and a bolt. And they were able to do it. It was great. And then we said, you know what, let's make a giant uh, structure. And we combined all our pieces of cardboard together. Love it. And then we did some activity with uh, clothespins and uh, craft sticks and paper plates and cups and uh, and index cards and brass fasteners. I found a box. When's the last time you used a brass fastener? <laughs> so I found a bunch of boxes, in the, and the boxes are all old and yellow, but <laughs> hey, they still work. And so, you know, uh, and I sent you that clip. Oh, uh, loved it. And the kids, the kids were, the teachers were telling me how mesmerized the kids were. So really non-fancy, non-technical, you know, equipment, but yet the imagination was growing, the productivity was growing, and the engagement was there. Yeah. And that's what play does. 
Yeah. And that's kind of what you brought into them, and the teachers were like, oh, my God, the connections between, you know, the community playground. This, it was, and it was really so phenomenal. it's so important to start at an early age. Absolutely. Because if you don't, then the kids develop that fixed mindset, especially over grading, right? Mm -hmm. I did a, a Google yeah. survey with my learners in an ELA class two years ago. Um, what's more important, grades or learning? And they all put grades. And I was so sad. blown away by that. And we had a couple days of dialogue and conversation around that. Because um, it's like, guys, everything you do is learning. Good, bad, ugly learning. Um, and that's much more important than your grading. If you don't learn about yourself and how you learn, you're not going to learn as much as you get older because you really got to tap into like your own learning styles and things as such. I think that's one of the pieces of education that's really sad because I started as a teacher probably before you guys were born and it was, there weren't as many of these constraints on teachers, right? So we didn't have SGOs, we didn't have all this kind of thing. Learning was a lot of fun. Like I taught French, I brought kids outside, we played patank to learn the, the numbers in order to learn how to measure. The, um, the home ec teacher would let me bring them into the home ec room. We would you know, create recipes. That's why I'm so stoked about what you spoke about. And the kids, yes, they were competitive. Yes, they wanted to do well and go to college, but they also had this like love of learning that I don't see. I see fear of grades. And that's really, really sad. Um, so I hope that we can get back to just intrinsically loving to learn and be curious. And I think that's what you did with the, the little guys, right? Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, keep, try to keep doing it as, as you know, yeah. keep them engaged. And unfortunately, it's kind of keeping me up, making me wake up early and think about it a lot. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, once I'm kind of in the groove and I... Um, I won't be waking up at 2.30 a.m. with ideas anymore and writing it, <laughs> writing it down. Okay, so let's get to something else. All right. You're a member of a board of education. I now, know. recently, I've kind of seen in the news, they're not exactly the safest places in, in the country. What are your thoughts on all this? What do you mean, being a board member is not the safest well, place? Well, they're very volatile meetings. So, and there's uh, people who are coming into meetings from outside, outside the forces of people. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, who are who are not really stakeholders in the community, but are more rabble rousers. Yes. To the point where now there's discussions about law enforcement getting involved and oh, FBI wow. getting involved. Um, and I just wanted to see, get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I will reserve telling what town I'm a board member in because I don't want to really bring that up here so I can then share some of the things. Um, we had a lot of issues over the summer and into the fall with masks and vaccine mandates, and a lot of parents were coming to the meetings, emailing the board members and things as such. And we got so nervous, we had to bring police into some of these meetings because they were being um, pretty strong with their beliefs. So it, it gets challenging. I, I try to, and I think it's important to reach out, the superintendent, just to listen to them. Um, and it was, what I found to be important is that they were intense, but they were appropriate. So I stood up and said, hey, I really appreciate, appreciate the way that all these different perspectives were being communicated. Uh -huh. They weren't over the top. Um, they weren't so radical to either side. And this is the way communities can get together and affect positive change between different groups with different ideologies. You know, we have to find that common ground. Common ground is all of our children are in these schools. 
So let's continue this dialogue in a positive manner, which doesn't happen in America right now, um, and keep going with it. And that actually worked pretty well. Actually worked pretty well thus far. Yeah, it was, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, wow, I know someone who's, um, you know, I wonder if they feel threatened every single time they go, which is, a, which is the last place, you know, back I, I don't, several years ago when we would see parliaments of other countries getting into fistfights in parliament, like, ah. Oh, that will never happen here. No, it's <laughs> happening at a local board of ed meeting. <laughs> right, so, right. It has happened at local board of ed oh, meetings. Wow. It's scary. Yeah, yeah, Not with yeah. us. We're pretty good, but, you know, we, we saw some things over the summer into the early fall that were, yeah. we had to manage well. Okay. All right. Let's get to some fun stuff. Cool. Did you watch the show that I recommended? Uh, oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm Ted Lasso. I hope Only I'm murders in the building. Uh, yes, I watched it. Uh, I did. I did watch it. Your yeah. thoughts? Um, first of all, I love the configuration of actors because they come from different generations, and it's really cool to watch them, you know, interact and to see what's going on. So I love that that part of it. So it was Steve Martin. Um, Martin Short. I mean, yes. to me, they're ge- like genius, Absolutely. like genius level. And what they bring, Selma Gomez, is the, Celine, yes. Celine Gomez in. So the, the way they interacted, I thought was super, super cool. And um, I like the, the the tantalizing mystery behind it and how the, the one character who dies, we start to learn so much about his life and the intersection yeah. of all these lives together. So yes, I did watch and it. And it's then, all about the podcast. Yes, so yes, they're, yes. They're, that they're was doing so a cool. True crime yeah. podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was very cool. I have to watch that. Right. <laughs> Pumpkin spice stuff. Your thoughts? Yuck. Yuck. You don't like pumpkin spice stuff? No. No. <laughs> I, I was. I. I held off until this year. I said this was going to be the year I try something. And I like pumpkin pie, so it wasn't terrible. Oh, pumpkin pie is good. Because pumpkin spice is, pumpkin has zero taste. It's the spice you add to it. So it's, if you like the spice you add to it, it was actually, it was not bad. I mean, I'm, I'm traditionally a black coffee guy. You put pumpkin spice it. Did, did you get the it? pumpkin spice latte? I got a pumpkin spice, no, I got a cold brew. Okay. Mm, with pumpkin spice. And it had like a pumpkin spice something in it. Which was pretty good, but you know, it was it's Dual Leonard's, and if you, you know, you can get like those free, you know, free credits towards coffees and ice creams mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was like, it's free. Why don't I try pumpkin spice coffee? Not bad. Black sp- pumpkin spice coffee. What a little splendor. Not bad. Not bad. Do you like pumpkin ravioli? Ooh. I've had squash, butternut squash ravioli. Uh huh. It's okay. Not my favorite. So we do a pumpkin ravioli in like a butter sauce with fresh herbs. Yes. It's not bad. Yes. It's not bad. A little sage <laughs> butter on a pumpkin. Yes. I've had a little. I made a little sage butter with a butternut squash ravioli. Yeah. I like bad. pumpkin seeds. <laughs> pepitos. <Yeah>. Chocolate covered. <laughs> Chocolate covered pepitos. It's the pumpkin spice latte that gets me. Pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, it's a little bougie. No, it's I, I'm not the latte, but it was a regular flavored pumpkin spice coffee. Not so bad. Interesting. All right. Well. I'm not going to tell you how, how how much time has passed because you will never believe it. I bet it's at least 40 minutes. We are very close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 15 minutes. No, no, wow. no. So I'm going to just do a little uh, marketing plug here. So Justin will be leading one of our pathways oh, great. Uh, on social-emotional learning. And it was supposed to be reserved for 15 special education um, individuals. We had 
26 sign up with eight general education teachers. So he has graciously accepted to own the whole group. And we're going to be talking about um, how to infuse mental issues of mental wellness into the school. Okay, and but it's it's going to be a really um, collaborative, person-centered kind of loving approach is the way I look at it. So if you want to pick up on that, that would be very cool. I'd love to pick up on that. <laughs> um, I'm very excited, and I'm very excited even about the spectrum and diversity of the professionals within the pathway, because I think what we're going to see is a wide range of goals and a wide range of desires to learn different things within social-emotional learning. And I think that's important. Like we mentioned before, social-emotional learning is happening, and I think a lot of people just don't know it is. Mm -hmm. So I gladly welcome them all. Um, and we start Monday is our first one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited about that. And we have a follow-up on the next Monday, which is good because it's a nice little two-week chunk to try to get everybody centered and connected into what they individually want to learn. And I accept that wide range, and I look forward to kind of differentiating between people who know more about it or people who know less about it. And I think it's going to be powerful to bring general ed, special ed teachers, and some CST members I saw who were on there as well. So I think that's really nice to bring a lot of different people within education around a really important topic that is happening. So I brought a new friend. Oh, boy. Hello. <clears throat> it's a little robot. Yes, he is. That helps with, uh, has lots of different things it could do. I'm trying to get it to work on the table. But. Yeah, he's kind of stuck in the cords. Let's see if we can get him out of the cords. There we go. But this thing has lots of different features that can help. He's checking Especially <laughs> if there's voice recording involved. <laughs> and has lots of sounds. And you could actually do lots of activities with it. And there's a whole list of activities you can do with students with it. This is really cool. So I just became certified with this guy. Um a couple weeks ago, and I used it in our first kindergarten uh, STEM class where we had robot races, and the kids had to draw the drag strip. So I saw that. They were getting so fired up and excited, but I'm just at the tip of the iceberg of the potential for this guy. I'm uh -huh. just trying to figure it out. So there was that list, that sheet that I saw, is incorporating this technology into... Um, and the one feature that I really like is the voice recording feature. If you're having students who have a conflict or if you have students who may be shy or something, you can always record and talk through a proxy now Which with this guy. is so important. Um, I just did a little coaching with a teacher who was getting very combative with students when they were challenging her on information. And I was like... The information is what you impart, not your information. So why don't you re look up the information and just show them and separate yourself from the information because they're, they're going to get fr they get, they're getting frustrated with you, but just show them on Google. Let them search the information. So that was powerful, and something like this will do that. It's almost like play therapy. Yeah, right? and well, the neat, neat part is, you know, there's all these accessories and stuff and I mean if you look on the website the amount of accessories and the pathways and like sitting around a, a mat that has all these things that it could do it's just I mean I wish I would need an entire like two weeks with this thing just to go through 
what it can do. So my research brain now is like, would this be an awesome tool for a kid who's selectively mute to get them to start? I wonder if there's been any research done on that. Hey, that could be like a now I know, peer-reviewed yeah, yeah, <laughs> working yeah. hypothesis. Like in the past, there has been students, have been students like that. Yes. But in the playground, they're not that way. Right. Or there are students that might struggle to come into school but when I see them in sports or activities, they are not struggling to come to go to sports and activities. So, so I'm going to press this and see what happens. Yeah. Do you see Running the little, with the wolves. Do you see the little uh, voice record feature? You could do a little voice record if you oh, want. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm so, skip that one. <laughs> all right. So that was that's a little uh, a fun guy. Maybe we'll we'll spend some time. Um, I'll do some more research and we'll do an activity with him. That in, would be in, fun. Uh, yes. Next time. Next yeah, time. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. I told you. Time flies by. Yep. So we're gonna. So we're gonna come to an end here. We're wow. Forty-one minutes. That's amazing. Neat. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the Just Breathe podcast. For Justin, for Dr. Terzini Holler, I am uh, Chris Narkeesian, and uh, we'll see you next time. So long. Take care. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs>